0: Abigail Brannigan leaned on her bicycle and watched the main doors of the Burton Street branch of the public library like a hawk. She did not really need to do this, but it seemed like good practice, as the detectives in the book she read often seemed to spend hours watching things, waiting for something to happen, keeping in a state of cat-like readiness while looking like they weren't really waiting at all. They called it a stakeout, and it seemed like the sort of thing that would require a certain amount of practice. Of course, in this case, the something that Abigail was waiting for was the end of Timothy Gould's volunteer shift at the library. And there was no mystery about when that was going to happen. He had told Abigail yesterday that he would be at the library until one o'clock. And Timothy was not the kind of person who threw a lot of surprises at you, but Abigail thought staking out the library doors would still be good practice, and also it gave her something to do while she waited. Abigail did not feel that staking things out was nearly as complicated as the detective books seemed to make it although she had to admit that most of the time the detectives in those books were plagued by self-doubt, wondering if they had somehow missed the thing that they were supposed to be watching for, and that this concern often led them to make a mistake or to stop watching right when something important was about to happen. Abigail had eliminated this possibility by locking up her bicycle on the same rack as Timothy's bike, just in case he somehow slipped past her. Of course, he did nothing of the kind. He appeared at the library door at precisely six minutes after one and emerged blinking into the bright sunlight. He seemed blissfully unaware that he was being observed and paused to clean a smudge from his glasses that the sunlight must have revealed before walking toward the bicycle rack. He was just a few feet away when he spotted her and grinned, and Abigail knew she did not have much time. Because she was training her powers of observation, Abigail had noted that the detectives in books did not greet people with small talk about how their days were going, or if they had a nice shift, stacking books at the library, or whatever it was that they did. They cut to the chase, as they said. They got right down to business, and it was a habit that Abigail was trying to cultivate. "'Which shops around here sell old comic books?' Abigail said, before Timothy could speak." He paused, tilted his head slightly to the right, and squinted at her. He looked vaguely like a confused beagle for a moment. "'Oh, hello, Abigail,' he said. "'I'm fine. How are you?' Abigail scrunched her nose up in mild frustration. Timothy was also fairly observant as far as boys went, and he had noticed her attempts to cut to the chase, and he seemed oddly resistant to the idea which was strange, because he normally did what he was told, which was certainly part of the reason that she kept him around. She considered explaining all of this, but decided that stopping to have a big discussion was actually the opposite of cutting to the chase, and that, on some level, if she acknowledged this at all, Timothy would win, and she couldn't have that. She narrowed her eyes just a little, just enough to give him the impression that he just might be on thin ice— and he smiled, shook his head, and began to unlock his bike. "'Comic shops?' he asked. "'Comic shops,' she replied with a nod. He stood up and looked at her suspiciously. "'Why would you ask me that question?' he asked. Abigail frowned and shrugged. "'I don't know,' she said. "'I ask you things.' "'I don't know if you've noticed that. You work in a library. You're like a search engine in sneakers.' I mean, about comic shops specifically, he said. What would make you think that I would know? Abigail thought about it for a moment and decided that she did not know. She tried to think of an instance where Timothy had worn a t-shirt with superheroes on it or something and couldn't think of any. He often had a plain white shirt with a collar on, like he did now, because it was what he wore to the library, and the rest of the time she did not really pay a lot of attention to what he wore. None of this was helping. You think I'm a nerd, don't you? he said. And he didn't seem to be bothered by the idea. She shrugged. You have thick glasses. You work in a library. Your computer skills are excellent, she said. Should I go on? I guess not, he said fixing the lock into its cradle on the frame of his bike. It's not because you're a nerd, Abigail said, only rolling her eyes a little bit. It's because you're a boy. Boys like this kind of stuff. You're appealing to my vanity, Timothy said, still enjoying himself more than she would have liked. Do you really think I'm that shallow? I think that everybody is, Abigail said simply because it was true. Frankly, when you aren't, it makes you difficult to talk to. "'I'll bet,' he said, nodding. "'You know, a lot of girls read comic books.' "'Of course they do,' Abigail said, not caring. "'There are a number of titles that you would really enjoy,' he said, "'becoming far too interested in the subject. "'If you let me, I could put together a list of graphic novels "'that would change the way you think about comic books forever.' "'I will read any of them you choose to put in my hands.' Abigail said flatly, provided that we can stop having this conversation immediately. Done, Timothy said, sliding his backpack onto his back. Are we on a case? We are, she said, and she explained about her brother's room, the lists of missing treasures, and what she had learned at the Consolidated Charities office. Timothy nodded sagely. Sounds like the slug, he said. Abigail frowned. Excuse me? She said. The shiny slug, Timothy said, as if any reasonable person would know what he was talking about. It's on Kennedy, near Gower. Almost every comic shop carries some back issues, but only the slug devotes any serious floor space to them. I thought these things were worth a lot of money, Abigail said, handing over the printout Jeremy had given her. Timothy glanced at it and gave a low whistle. "'Well, your brother certainly seems to think so,' he said. "'Do you want me to come with you?' Abigail nodded. "'I might need you to translate for me,' she said. They rode quickly through the streets, which were quiet, as if everyone in town were considering a midday siesta to be a very good idea. The sun was hot, but the breeze of the wind whipping past them kept them cool, and fifteen minutes later the two investigators spun into the parking lot of the shiny slug. Abigail realized as she looked at the sign that she had seen it before, from the seat in the back of her parents' car, and had always just assumed that it was a restaurant that she really did not wish to eat in. The bell rang over the door as they entered, and a tall man with red hair and glasses glanced up briefly and gave them a disinterested look before turning back to whatever he was reading. He seemed startled a few minutes later when he looked up and found Abigail standing at the counter, waiting for him. "'Sorry,' he said. "'You kind of crept up on me there. How can I help you?' "'I'd like to speak to the manager, please,' Abigail said seriously. "'The manager?' The man at the counter seemed surprised. "'Or the owner?' Abigail shrugged. "'I'm sorry. I don't really know how it works here.' "'I'm sorry,' the man said, standing up. "'I'm not really looking for any summer help.' "'Are you the owner?' Abigail asked, surprised. "'Yeah, I am.' The man seemed younger and sloppier than a business owner ought to be, but Abigail guessed that, when you were your own boss, you could wear whatever you wanted. "'I'm a little busy today, so (laughs) if there isn't anything that you (laughs) wanted—' The man's voice trailed off, and Abigail turned her head to survey the store, which was entirely empty except for Timothy, who smiled awkwardly and half-waved when they both turned their heads to him. Abigail turned back to the man behind the counter and arched her eyebrow at him in a manner that she had been practicing and was getting very good at. The man cleared his throat. "'I have a bunch of boxes in the bag I should be going through,' he said weakly. Are any of them from Consolidated Charities? Abigail asked. The man seemed startled. What did you say? he asked. Consolidated Charities, Abigail repeated. Someone has an arrangement with a manager there. They make a regular donation and they get any comics that come in through pickups. I was wondering if that was you. The man looked from Abigail to Timothy and back again. He looked like he might be about to deny it, which was a sort of position that people tended to stick to once they had taken it, out of simple embarrassment at having lied in the first place. Abigail was certain that this was the right store. If Timothy's guess wasn't good enough, the man's reaction when he heard Consolidated Charities certainly was. But now she had to speak quickly to save the poor startled shopkeeper from himself. "'There isn't anything wrong with that,' Abigail said hurriedly before the man could speak. They don't sell comic books in any of the thrift stores. At least this way the charity makes some money to support their work. The man nodded, but did not speak yet, and certainly did not admit anything. "'You probably spend more than you make on the deal,' Abigail said, almost sympathetically. "'But it's for charity, after all.' "'I guess that's right,' the man said, relaxing a little and forgetting that he had never really decided to admit his involvement.' I get a tax receipt, and I have found a few things that made it all worth it, but mostly it's kind of a pain. Must be hard to keep these racks stocked, Abigail said, gesturing at the shelves. Those are the new issues, the man said. The back issues are in the basement. The basement? Abigail seemed confused, but she turned back to Timothy, who nodded in confirmation. I thought those things were worth a lot of money. The man snorted. "'But he immediately looked sorry for it. "'Who told you that?' he asked. (laughs) "'They sell two for a dollar in the bins.' "'But...' "'Abigail gestured to the wall behind the counter, "'which had a number of old issues, "'hanging in special plastic bags "'with price tags that seemed to range "'from fifty to several hundred dollars.' "'The man turned and smiled proudly. "'Sure,' he said. "'A few here and there. "'Mostly first appearances.' The first time a character showed up who later became popular, that kind of thing. Or if one of them dies, Abigail added, and the man shook his head. Worthless, he said. Everybody comes back. I I can't think of a single major comic book character that hasn't come back from the dead at least once. (laughs) And they sell tons of copies. People save them, thinking they're an investment or something. (laughs) It's a little sad. Oh, Abigail said remembering that Jeremy's list included a number of issues listed as the death of so-and-so. Perhaps they weren't as valuable as he thought. Characters die, characters come back, good guys turn bad, and vice versa. Friends fight, or or lose their powers. They're all short-term stunts designed to boost sales, but they don't make for instant classics. The man was back in his element now, and was lecturing like he was teaching a class that Abigail had no interest in taking. "'So can I assume that you picked up some comics from Consolidated Charities this week?' Abigail asked. Two of those boxes, they're very long. I don't know what to call them.' "'They're called long boxes, actually,' Timothy said, translating just as he had promised. "'Okay,' Abigail said. Two long boxes, full of old comics. You got them?' "'What do you ask?' the man shrugged, still not sure that he wasn't being tricked somehow.' Abigail explained about her mother, and her brother's room, and everything that had happened for most of the day, and she did it in as few words as humanly possible. She was already getting tired of telling this story. Man, that is a drag, the man said, shaking his head. My mom got rid of a bunch of my stuff once. I probably started this shop just to get it all back. The man laughed a little. But neither Abigail nor Timothy was entirely certain that he was joking. Seriously, though, I feel bad for your brother, but but those boxes are mine now. I have a receipt and everything. Abigail nodded. I'm not asking for them for free, she said, but he only gave me $20 to buy them back. The man shook his head. I'm sorry, he said. There are a few hundred comics in there. I have a business to run. Besides, I haven't even had a chance to go through them yet. This is what's in the boxes, Timothy said, holding out the list that Abigail had handed him back at the library. The man took it and snorted. These dollar values, he said. Nobody takes those price guides seriously. So $20 is not such a bad deal, Abigail said hastily. The man frowned and flipped through the pages, snorting two or three times as he did so. Tell you what, he said. Make it 25 And you've got a deal. Five minutes later, they were carrying the two boxes out the door, carefully balanced on one another. I'm sorry you had to spend what he paid you for today, Timothy grunted as he walked backwards toward the bicycle rack. It's okay, Abigail said, biting her lip from the strain. He'll pay me back or I'll burn these on the lawn. They dropped the boxes beside their bicycles and stood up, grateful to be free of the weight. Timothy suddenly frowned at the two long boxes full of comics. Exactly how were we going to get these back to your house on our bikes? He asked. Because I think I must have missed that part.